Welcome to the Creative Moment Podcast. Brought to you in association with Marketeers. This week on the Creative Moment Podcast, I'm talking to John Williams, who's the founder and CEO of the Liberty Guild. John founded the Liberty Guild back in 2017. Before that, he was Chief Creative Officer at Grey Group EMEA. The Liberty Guild has 300 members in 27 countries and describes its, itself as redefining the way creativity is bought and sold. Today, John and I are going to be talking about the disruption of the advertising agency model and asking what shape the advertising and creative consultancy businesses might look like in the future. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Ben, thanks for having me. So come on then, John. As I mentioned in my intro, you launched the Liberty Guild almost four years ago um, as a bit of an alternative to the traditional agency model. Just give us all an outline as to how it works first up. Sure. Um, uh, well, we can we can help uh, clients um, either co-create a brand or launch a brand or just make a brand something that consumers actually want to exist, which is no radical departure to where uh, everyone is at the moment. But we're built around the talent. That's why we're an agency. Uh, we are, a, you know, sorry, that's why we're not an agency. We are a guild. Um, we're an association of craftspeople working together for mutual aid um, uh, in pursuit of a common goal. And that's super important. So we're an invitation-only association of the finest independent creatives and strategists and technologists in the world. We look all around the world to find these people. Um, we evaluate them, we contract them, um, and, and we only bring on the, the most highly awarded and recognized talent. Um, we're also data-driven. So we bring the consumer into our process. They're in the room at every step. We're guided by numbers, not egos. Um, and I guess the principal difference is that we have no buildings um, or baristas or beanbags. Um, we live on a tech stack, which means we're simply and easily scalable. Um, and we are delivering a global alternative to the standard agency model. Right. Um, but there's, there's a few virtual businesses that have grown up, but you're a little bit different in how you, how you charge for your idea, basically. Are you could just, just talk us a little bit around that, because that's what I, I found quite intriguing when we were talking before. Sure. Um, okay, so we charge a flat fee um, for uh, a product. Um, which seems like a, a smart and fair way of doing it. Um, so a, a project, if you like, and the result of that product uh, is an idea. Um, it might be a comms idea, it might be a tech idea, it might be a brand idea. Um, so just to look at the broader way the business runs, I genuinely believe that input-based pricing, so hourly rates, cost plus, FTEs and all of that, have contributed to the problem that we're in at the moment. I mean, how long does it take to have a brilliant idea? You can't answer that. No one else can answer that. And yet, um, that's how the business charges on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on an hourly basis. So we sell products, we charge a flat fee for a fixed output in a fixed time. They're simpler all around. So, you know, as a founder of a startup and, and a proper startup, not a management breakaway with a founding client that's easy, but a proper startup, I'd have been laughed out of every... VC and PE house in town that I pitched in, and I did pitch in, if I presented that old school ad agency model, 
if I'd gone in and they said, okay, so in this business you want us to invest in, you make something, uh, how long does it take you to make that? You couldn't answer it. That's never going to play well. It's a bit of a tumbleweed moment, right? So, I mean, you only have to look at the sort of the huge growth in the cost control industry back in traditional agency land, which is a direct result of clients getting wise uh, to agencies loading hours and people into jobs. And it's hourly rates that encourages that to happen. How is it healthy um, to be, for it to be more profitable for an agency to get it wrong and take longer to do the work than it is to get it done and get out? Just doesn't make sense. So that's why we're fixed fee because it makes it makes so much more sense for everybody involved. And when you say fixed fee, do, so and I know you don't want to tell us what the the, the price point is, but the um, you literally have it's the same fixed fee. It doesn't matter what type of client it is. You yes. see what I mean? Whether it's a I don't know yeah, a, a big got, retailer yeah. or a small startup, because you're saying the the cost to you of creating an idea are basically the same. If you see what I mean? So I'm I'm, I'm saying to you, say right, John, I want I want an idea to do X, and and then you'll be able to say right that for that I, I'm going to charge you this. If you see what I mean? And then you'll disappear for however long it may or may not take you, um, and you'll come back with a plan six to nine weeks um we run like a swiss train uh, ours are not our friend um we we yeah um yes uh yeah we've got a different product for scale startups and scale-ups that we've co-developed with um a private equity house uh, but that's a that's a, a different conversation um yeah it's fixed fee um it, it's the same quality of creative every time uh, because it's the same uh, international pool of uh, of, of you know uh, a list independence that we're pulling from. So you know there isn't a tier two. You don't dip down. It's always going to be the best. And the, you know the price is fair. The price is fair to clients. Um, uh, and 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 you know the market is very price sensitive at the moment. And the price is fair to the talent, the creatives, and the strategists and the technologists that we use and work with. Um, so they're getting paid well. The client ends up actually paying less. Um, and, and sort of everyone's happy all around. But here's the thing, you know, once you strip away all the buildings and the breezes and the marble foyers and the fleets of Addy Lees waiting outside, you can charge the client less than a traditional agency would, pay the talent better and faster, and, and, and you know, by the way, um, and still have a decent business in the middle. Um, it, it, it and, and what sort of is it how have you sort of shaped it are there are there different types of projects that you sort of bundled yeah. or sort of, uh, that you've sort of worked out over the, the last few years how does it uh, how does it work yeah sure so we started off doing something that we call uh, decouple creative which is quite simply you take the creative process out of uh, an agency if you like and and put it on the text that uh, so we run uh, 100% virtually. Um, and that, you know, that is a creative process. As everyone knows it from brief to idea. Uh, yes, we've got a particular way of doing it. Um, that sells very well. Um, and in response to that, we got asked by um, uh, one of our big clients uh, to help them develop the brand. So, you know, the brief wasn't quite ready. The brand wasn't quite, uh, uh, you know, at a point where it wanted to start uh, talking to the world 
so we've got another product, which is a brand development product, uh, where we'll go much higher upstream, much further up the funnel, and 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 it's a more strategic development piece, and we'll help the client and work with the client to co-create what that brand actually looks like before it gets to the brief stage. And then, of course, you know, you get to a point where you need to make something, and we'll work with 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 all of our clients to help them to bring that into realization. So it's not just a, a theoretical ideation product at all. So, so my next question was going to be, do you do the activation? So you, you can do the activation yeah. as well as the idea is, is that, so that we can, we, we are, we assume nothing and we can be whatever shape uh, the client wants us to be. So clients are, are massively different. Yeah. Some of them have, have spent a lot of time and money and effort developing in-house operations. Uh, some of them will work with a with a with a tenured international um, uh, production agency. Um, uh, some of them have none of that, uh, and, and it's different every time. So there's no slick product that works there. But what we will do is we'll work with uh, any any client, obviously, to bring our ideas kicking and screaming into the into the cold light of day, um, uh, but just in a in a way that works. For them, uh, we don't we don't assume it's going to be us. The way we deliver the work uh, at the end of the time period uh, is in a way that they could take that and they could give it to anyone. Um, uh, but obviously, we're we're there. Uh, you know, we don't just turn around and walk away. All right. I was just thinking about the um, you know the concept of a, of an idea. Charging for an idea is something that the creative sector has been trying to work out for a while, hasn't it? Do you, have you ever sort of explored the idea of trying to, um, the, the long-term use of an idea for, for, for a client? Because it's so far, all, all we've done as, a, as an industry, so to speak, is hand over an idea and then the client has it potentially forever. Have you ever explored the trying to, to, to um, keep a, 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 or, or, be, or be paid or incentivized for the long-term use of, of a concept or an idea or not? Was that just too well, hard? I, no, I don't think it's too hard. Um, uh, I think that's, that's stage two of where we're at, okay? So um, in the old world, um, uh, you know, a, a, a talent was employed on a, on, a, uh, on a permanent contract and in exchange for that, um, the agency would own absolutely everything they ever did. Um, sometimes everything that they did outside of their day job and there's plenty of people who've been caught with that. Um, and that was, that, you know, that was in exchange for job security. That was sort of understood begrudgingly. That's gone, right? And in, in the age of the independent practitioner, um, uh, you are your ideas. Um, so we had a look at the process and, and, you know, genuinely, when was the last time that the client ran the second idea in the third presentation? It just does, it's, it's absolutely pointless for the client to own all of that IP, yeah? Um, so what happens with us is when the creative started, starts work on something, their, either the IP for everything is held in escrow by us. And then at the end of it, uh, when the client buys one idea um, and money changes hands, that's a, that's a deal. All the other IP falls back to the creatives who are the original owners and will continue to be the original owners. So that's stage one. That's a better way of cutting a deal for the talent with the clients. And the clients are cool with that. You sit them down and you have a chat and you go, do you really want everything? Well, no, it's just the way it's always happened, yeah? So that's one thing to get over. But the second thing, and we'll get to this, we're on the way, we're not there yet. But the second thing is, you know, thinking about a, 
a model akin to music licensing, music publishing, where, where you know, for probably for a smaller fee, uh, 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 you actually get a long-term uh, kind of licensing income, if you like, from that idea. And we're looking at that, and we're, you know, but it's complicated. IP law on a global level is 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 a nightmare, as anyone who's who's stuck their head into it will 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 testify to. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 we're scaling a business. I've got lots to do. That's on the list. Uh, it's not first <laughs> on the list. Yeah, yeah, fine. Um, now you've been you've been running a virtual agency for yeah almost almost four years now. Um, clearly, you know, we've had the pandemic for the last year of that. Um, and virtually every consultancy, well, every consultancy has um, made that jump um, in the UK anyway to, um, to to a virtual business model. Um, yeah. Do you, and, and most CEOs I've spoken to um, over that time, I, I think in essence, guess what? They, a virtual, running a business virtually, an agency business virtually works, right? It, it's, it, it's, it's a good model. The, the, one of the areas that there's been the most uh, has been the hardest has been in that in, in those spon- those moments of spontaneity uh, and specifically around that the creative process i guess um but i i'm sort of getting the feeling that's not well it's not something that you guys have found a problem so i just i just wonder what your how you've managed to keep that that engaged creative process going in, in within that virtual environment sure sure absolutely i mean i, I think that's a that's a control thing anyway on, on their behalf. Um, so it might say CEO on my business card now, but I, I was a, I've run creative departments for 25 years. I'm a creative. That spontaneity stuff is a stock library version of a creative department. Insanely happy people pointing at whiteboards being spontaneous and, and having wonderful conversations in the corridor. It's crap. It never happens like that. Um, so... When we were rebuilding Grey, uh, my global boss was a guy called Tor Mirren, who then went on to be VP Marketing at Apple. And he used to talk about being radically uncollaborative. And what he meant by that was no great idea ever happened in a big fluffy committee in front of post-it notes and marker pens. Um, nor did it ever happen in a corridor. It takes talent and inspiration and self-determination and blood, sweat and tears and a bit of quiet usually. So we know for a fact that our crew feel that they're doing the best work of their lives when they're in control of their own environment, when they've got that work-life balance right, when they're working from anywhere in their space. Um, And we we built our entire way of working around that, yeah? It's based around those distributed lifestyles. Um, We've looked seriously at the science of creative excellence. We've looked at how teams like Klarna and Spotify work. We've looked at the processes and structures that big tech giants deploy to get the best out 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 of those sorts of people. So we're designed to deliver optimal performance. And, 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 And you know what? That isn't a big team. Once you strip out all the stress and bullshit of the network behemoths, high-performance teams are small. And what you need to do is multiple small teams. And in order to get to multiple small teams, you need to trust them to go. Yeah, Our guys run on a, on a platform. We can see where everything's happening all the time, total visibility. But you need to trust them more, like I said at the beginning. And, and, and so, you know, I think that the, the myth of, of, 
of a wonderful, spontaneous, creative environment is just that. Um, yeah, we need to have fun and lark around and, and shout at each other and talk about the cricket and whatever. But that, you know, that's not about delivering great work. That's about another level. That's something else. Do you do you see any advantage in in having an office then, do, or, or are you completely sold on the virtual model forever? No, I see. I, I am absolutely sold on the need for an environment. But you know, look at what was it last week? Salesforce just walked out of its sixty-one floor office in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, uh, the nine to five job is dead in the valley. Uh, Facebook have said you can work from home to forever, as have Google. Right? This is a fundamental shift in our in our our, our interaction with business. In our in the fabric of what we do. Like for those of us lucky enough to be in the service business, right? Um, we need human contact, though. But we don't necessarily need you know twenty uh, floors of desks. We're social creatures. And so I guess the question is, if we can work from anywhere, what does the office become? Is it a community centre? Is it a sort of a, dro a drop-in centre? Uh, is it something for like-minded? Is it more like a club? I don't know. I kind of hate the idea. But, yeah, I think we need a space for reconnection. We need a space for depression after this isolation. Sorry, decompression after this isolation. <laughs> it's yeah, anyway. We've all got a space for depression at the moment, which is, a, which is actually a serious point. We need to get together because mentally it's flipping hard work not being together but i don't think it's about working i think it's about humans being together you know yeah it's i, I kind of broadly agree with that the, the difficulty is if you've got if you've got a i don't know a 90 minute two hour an hour commute to, to get there do you know what I mean? it's quite a lot of effort to go to go and hang out for a little while with a bunch of people isn't it if you see what i mean i just i just I, we don't yeah. know yet i just wonder where that balance is going to come um it's, it's an interesting one so and I, and, and I think you're right and i think what the pandemic has accelerated is the move out of town as well so you know i'm i'm regularly talking to people all over the world and uh you know just the same way that new york has hollowed out and everyone's gone upstate or back to wherever they came from um, Mumbai's hollowed out um, and London's hollowed out and everywhere else, you know, everyone's, everyone's taken a view that it, living in a plague city is not a, not a barrel of laughs. Um, and, and everyone's now probably got a bigger commute. So actually that's, that's cemented exactly what you're talking about. But what it does mean is that everyone who's taken that, you know, that conscious decision to leap off the burning platform and aren't just working from the kitchen table, but have gone, all right, forget it. I'm going to change everything. Yeah. There is a vanguard of people doing that and there's more and more people joining it. And, and that's got genuine implications for, for, for talent recruitment, retention, management moving forward in our business. These are the people that we want. These are the smart people. These are the, the entrepreneurial, uh, you know, get up and go, uh, have kind of got up and gone. Yeah, it's really, and then, you know, quickly from there, you think, well, is that a brain drain on on society? On you know, in our case, you're talking about British society. Is that is that going to are those guys going to lead the country? Then you start thinking about what about the the younger guys who are coming through? Where does that leave them? Um, yeah. you know, schools. Yeah, you know what I mean. It goes. There's a whole bunch of stuff there, isn't there? Massively, you know, civic planning uh, is a, you know, has to rethink, yeah, especially, you know, San Francisco is like the whole Bay Area is screwed in terms of any regeneration program, right? But um, 
Yes. Uh, brain drain, no. Um, technology uh, has enabled this to happen. You know, the broad brand, broadband infrastructure means that uh, we can continue to work, to, to, to exercise our minds anywhere in the world, from anywhere in the world. That's brilliant. That's a, that's a, a move forward. But I think, you know, I think we've got to be hugely cognizant about what are the implications of that, uh, for sure. Right. Now, you know, when we chatted before, I, you uh, you gave me a nice history lesson on on where the where the term freelancers came from, which um, yep. I didn't know. So go on, just in case anyone else out there also doesn't know, you can just talk us through it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. It stemmed out of a chat we were having. Uh, sometimes people uh, sort of curl their lip a little bit when they say freelance in some way because it's 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 somehow become deemed to be. I don't know what, um, but for me, uh, they're the, the best crew on the planet. So back in a more noble age, uh, uh, or more chivalrous age, uh, uh, mythically, um, uh, when knights rode the earth um, on uh, in shining armour uh, and on white steeds, um, uh, when your local nobleman wanted to whip up an army, there'd be his tied peasants that he'd arm with sharp sticks, and he'd hire some free lances so uh you know mercenaries if you like uh hired soldiers the best who got the job done fast uh and got the job done efficiently uh would turn up to whoever treated them the best and and paid them the best um like uh i don't know some uh latter-day a team um and i think you know i think when you when you when you look at it like that freelancers are or independence, I guess now, as it's more widely termed, uh, for whatever reasons, is a is a brilliant way to be. It's free. It enables you to do what you do best uh, on your terms, um, and and that's surely got to be how you'd want to live your life. Brilliant. John Williams, CEO and founder of the Liberty Guild. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Creative Moment Podcast. If you've liked the show, please subscribe and give us a decent review on iTunes.